Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions. My name is Marcy from Idaho, and I had a question about a stock CVVUS. It's Can Alaska Uranium. And provides unbiased answers. I think it's going to be in higher, higher demand, and we've been in oversupply in the uranium space for some time, and we're just coming out of that. Invest Talk. Over 30 million downloads and counting. Or should I go the route of just filling up all my Roth IRA contributions and then start putting into my regular investment account? Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Monday, March 22nd, 2021 edition of Invest Talk. Appreciate you all tuning in. Excited to have you along for the ride this hour, and I'm going to do my best in this hour to make it informative and instructive for you to help you make better money decisions. And our focus point today talks a little bit about that, about money decisions overall, not just investment decisions, because so many people get caught up in the minutia of individual companies and narratives and stories, and they oftentimes lose sight of the bigger picture, which is why they're doing it all. Right, what their long-term goal is, etc. And as I do this this hour, I'm going to operate with a mission statement of independent thinking and shared success. No matter so, no matter what I'm speaking about, stock commentary, uh, full market report, uh, explaining vernacular or process analysis. All of that will be presented without bias. I'm here just to give you the facts as I see them. So I'm Justin Klein. Of course, we encourage you to contact us with your finance and investment questions. And when you do, you can shape the show and not only get your questions answered, but I guarantee you there's someone else listening with that similar type of question. So you're helping them as well. Now, you can interact with us right now during our live stream program, 4 to 5 Pacific Time, or you can leave a question anytime or invest talk voice bank. Either way, the number never changes at 888 chart So let's get right to our first question now. Hey, guys. Carl calling from Ohio. Uh, love the show so far. Hey, I got a question that's a little more uh, trading related than investing, but what do you guys think about the strategy of watching out for some high flyers and tree market and then uh, buying quite a bit of shares with a 1% trailing stop loss. That way the most you can lose is about 1%, maybe a little more. Even if you're only right about half the time or about a third of the time, you should still profit well because every now and then you're going to hit one that goes up 10% or more in a day. Uh, I know it sounds risky, so I don't want to try it without seeing what you guys think about it, but I look forward to hearing the answer on the podcast. Thank you. Bye. Sounds like what you're saying is buying pre-market stocks that are up and then hopefully riding that wave for the balance of the day, that that opening price is going to be, or pre-market price is going to be much lower than what it ultimately trades at throughout the day um, and having you know 1% stop limit. 
Uh, I never back tested it. I don't really have any feedback one way or the other. You're, it's good that you're limiting your potential loss, but how much will actually turn into profits? If you're getting constantly stopped out and you hit a couple, what's your ultimate success rate? What does that turn into? I don't know. I never back tested that. I never really heard about that, heard that strategy. I would say what I would do is paper trade that first. If you are looking at any particular strategy and you're not sure how it may perform, guess what? You don't need to put the money to work right away. You can paper trade it. There are plenty of free pieces of software out there on the internet to log your paper trades. And paper trades, it's saying, okay, I'm going to buy here, I'm going to sell here, and start to track that over time and see how it performs. Now understand that each market, different types of strategies work better than others. And so results are going likely to be somewhat inconsistent, but if they can be consistent enough, after I would say three months, I would need to backtest at the bare minimum, then I would consider about consider executing it. But interesting strategy but more for a speculator and make sure you backtest it first. Now, why am I doing this podcast? Well, I know that you need help. You need strategies, insights, data to help make good decisions in this changing market environment. A lot of uncertainty. And that's why I'm here ready to take your calls on our Invest Talk listener line at 888 chart So give me a call. Today was... A very interesting day. You had the S&P up roughly, let's see, what was this? A little less than 1%. Modest update. The NASDAQ, C-O-M-P-Q, that was up 162 points, a little over 1% on that. The Russell, however, which has been leading, that was down about 20 points, about 1%. If you look at the NYSE, which is a more broad index, Includes the small caps. That was down 10 points, basically 0.1%. A little less than that. So that's really what it was. If you broaden it out to most stocks, it was a very, very modest down day. Not a whole lot of news, to be honest with you. You had the 10-year down a bit. You had the dollar that was... Also down a bit, kind of consolidating here around these levels. So kind of a ho-hum day, to be frank, after last week where there was a lot of market gyration. So I didn't really take a whole lot out of it. You know, some days are like that. It just doesn't really have a trend, doesn't really tell you much. There was nothing that was of note, nothing hit major levels, nothing, nothing made huge moves. I think the broadest thing I could say over the past couple of weeks is that the reflation trade that was that's been the the trend over the past three to six months or so reflation inflation rising uh, market reopening and the reopening trade has been very popular and we've spoken about that where growth and value are starting to diverge well now that we're 
about on the brink of this reopening. Now, certain areas of the world are in different chapters of the reopening process, but you know, I live in California, and we're more one of the more uh, conservative states when it comes to the reopening. And I'm noticing, you know, yeah, people still wearing masks, but for the most part, business is getting back to where it was pre-pandemic. We're not all the way there, but you know, 80, 90 percent. And it's always the buy the rumor, sell the news type of event. And I'm not saying you sell the reopening trade here, but what I am saying is this is we're now entering a market with a little more nuance. Stock picking is going to be, I think, more important. Commodities are going to be more diverged from each other. Some commodities might do very well. Others, not so much. So start to step back a little. Look at valuations, trends, see what's, see how markets are moving over the next few months. And that's going to, I think certain areas are going to either reestablish the trends higher or they're going to start to diverge and maybe go back into where you saw they saw them in 2020. So interesting times and I'll keep you updated as I see it evolve. If you listen to Invest Talk, I'm Justin Klein. I invite you to join me for Finance Podcast Week. March 26th through 28th, you can hear a variety of live streamed panels and exclusive episodes. Panel discussions include topics such as real estate, the markets, cryptocurrency, personal finance in the pandemic, the money mindset, and more. Keep listening for today's podcast for more details, registration information, and a free passcode. It's going to be exciting. It's going to, uh, hint, hint, I'm hosting one on Saturday. Now, your goal of financial freedom requires information and effective strategies. So let's talk about whatever is on your mind. We're taking your calls live at 888-99-CHART. For investors, the goal of achieving financial freedom requires unbiased information, strategic planning, and determination. Congratulations. You found the podcast that is dedicated to helping you succeed. Invest Talk. Let's head out to New York and talk with Lou. She's looking at Honeywell. Hi, Justin. Thank you for taking my call. No problem. Looking at uh, Honeywell, so, do you yes, own it or Honeywell. do you looking to buy it? Looking to buy it, um, ticker okay. H-O-N. Okay. So most people know what Honeywell does. Very broadly diversified industrial name, $150 billion market cap. Now, even pre-pandemic, their revenues and earnings were, were struggling a bit. Their all-time high in earnings was 2019, but that was barely higher than 2018. Now, next year, however, 2022, expected to hit an all-time high of earnings of $8.85. One thing I like about this is that it's an industrial play. I like industrial plays in this environment. Uh, what is drawing you specifically to Honeywell? Uh, well, basically just to balance my portfolio from to include a bit of industrial within it and gotcha. just doing some research of different companies. Okay. Well, 
it's hard to say that you could do better than Honeywell as a business. It uh, should be on everyone's watch list. And it's probably, if you do research on the industrial names in the world, this is probably in the top 10 of the best, better longer-term performers. So I like what you're looking at in that sense. Now, the big question now, a decent value. Our value is somewhere around 160 five to $180 a share. And now it's at 212. So it's a bit overvalued. But if you're looking from a longer term perspective, I like it. Technically, it's been consolidating here since November and building power to, to move higher, frankly. So technically, it's strong. Long term fundamentals are strong. But it's just trading at a, a bit of a, a premium to our fair value. So that's my take. If, if you want to be a little more patient with it, could it get back down there? Sure. Could it kind of consolidate around these levels for a longer period and build into that valuation? That's possible as well. But when it's the enterprise value to EBITDA at 21, longer term, this trends to trade somewhere in the neighborhood of the mid-teens, low to mid-teens, and now we're at 21. So it is about 20% overvalued, I think, at these levels. And that's why I probably personally would be either patient on it or find a different name. Is that, that's what I would do. I would keep it on my watch list, find a different name that's a little more reasonably valued uh, and has a better catalyst for the upside. Thanks for the call, Lou. Let's go to Brad in Mill Valley looking at ZK. Oh, what was it? Bradley? Brandon. Oh, Brandon. Okay, Brandon. I had, I had a uh, Brad in there. Okay, ZK International Group. This is a Chinese company. Do you own it or are you looking to buy it? Uh, I don't own it, and uh, I have in the past, but uh, I, I, I saw it go by today around $12.50, and I wondered uh, how would I gotten up there. You wonder how it got up there? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, it, it was... It seems to have gone up appreciably in price, and I wondered if the earnings were uh, coming along with it. I am not seeing that here, to be honest with you. Let me take a look at some of the recent news, because that would... Oh, it looks like they're, they have a new NFT project. Yeah, they're launching an NFT, NFT exchange. So this was just... Uh, you know, it's a Chinese company. A lot of these companies are kind of shaky from comes the fundamentals and and actual earnings. And it's getting a pop on an NFT exchange that they're looking to to launch. So I I think the NFT is certainly a very frothy market and has some application, but it is just the flavor of the month. And so this is not an investable asset. In, in my mind, so I pass on it. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. And for investors, the need to remain vigilant in this changing market environment never ends. And that's why we are here to help you reach your goal of your own version of financial freedom. So we're taking your calls live at 888 chart. Steve and Justin have recorded a special bonus podcast. 
It's a fast-paced learning podcast for the average investor. It's free, so be sure to tell your friends. It can be downloaded now at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and investtalk.com. Look for Rapid Fire Hour. Let's go to Walnut Creek. We're talking to Kyle. He's looking at UFP Industries, which is in the lumber space. You trying to capitalize on higher lumber prices? Um, actually, I've just been holding this for a while, for about six months now. I kind of like the space. I like the company. It seems solid, you know, not too big. So, I don't know. I was wondering, uh, should I continue holding this for a while or take my gains? Well, I would hold it, to be honest with you. Their business has consistently been growing over the past decade. I like that. They have a minimal, minimal amount of debt. They're not trading at crazy multiples or anything like that. Enterprise value to EBITDA is 10. It's not expensive at all. And it's within its longer term kind of uh, average multiple. So it's not overpriced in that sense. Their return on equity, return on invested capital is in the mid to high teens over the long term, which is solid. And producing solid cash flow, it's raising its dividend and has been so over the past decade or so. Technicals look strong. I, I would hold this. There, there's really nothing telling me that there's any excess in valuation. I'm not seeing any weakness on the chart. From an industry perspective, I think lumbers and, and wood products are going to remain relatively strong as the supply of homes or existing home inventory in the market remains relatively low. And so demand for new homes is going to continue to remain fairly robust. I'd keep it. It looks fine to me. Thanks for the call, Kyle. And my focus point today concerns the question, are there safe money moves investors can make now? And, you know, we're always talking, we always link to an article, and that's what we're mainly focusing on is what, what's the article saying? And sometimes you agree with it, sometimes you don't, and sometimes you just have a little bit different take on it. And that's kind of what this is, it's a different take. But you know, through the pandemic over the past year plus now, People have probably made some bad decisions, run into some money trouble, made some good decisions with the market. Kind of about kind of anything over the past year, post-pandemic, you did fairly well. And this means that some people might be overconfident. Some people might still be weary of the market because of underlying economic conditions or the volatility they saw in the March, April timeframe. But nonetheless, it's important to step back, whatever your situation is, and kind of look at the big picture. Look at your plan, your financial plan. And see where you're at from a timing perspective, either short-term or long-term. Are you close to retirement? Are you chasing returns as you approach the finish line? And should you be allocated the way you are allocated today? I talked to 
client, uh, a listener today and looked at her portfolio and it was very tech heavy. And she's starting to see kind of the rotation in the market, trying to figure out how to improve her portfolio. And I try to help her step back, say, okay, what's this money being used for? And she had some short-term potential needs for the money. I said, that portion you need to get into something that's safer, not, not going to be more vol- as, so volatile. And her portfolio was filled with very, very risky names, and her risk tolerance level was probably closer to, to moderate. So you need to rebalance your portfolio to get in line with that. And so the first thing that you need to do is look at your portfolio allocation. Review that on a regular basis, six months at least. And align it with your risk tolerance level, especially for those that are close to retirement. The recent bull market has made a lot of people perceive their portfolio risk as a lot lower than it really is. If just because the, the stocks or investments in your portfolio have gone up doesn't mean you didn't take a lot of risk. Although it seems over the short to medium term past that there's not a lot of volatility or there's not a lot of risk in those names, you need to look further back. You need to look 10, 20 years, not just those individual names, but the asset class, the sectors, and how volatile they tend to be over multiple cycles. So understanding your full risk is very important. And a lot of people have become less diversified because those top-heavy names, the ones that have done really well over the past year or so, are now a bigger part of their overall portfolio. Then you need to look at your savings priorities. Make sure you're maxing out 401ks, uh, health savings plans, Roth IRAs, traditional IRAs, etc. And then look at refinancing. If you have any debt, make sure, even though you've maybe missed the ultimate lows in rates, still a good time to think about consolidating and lowering your overall risk, overall interest rate, excuse me. All right, Chris in Seattle, we're going to get to you next. Hang on. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. And we are now into the fourth trading week of March. We're taking your calls live at 888 chart. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. 
AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's attack resistance platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. It's an Invest Talk Monday. Justin Klein is here taking your questions live. How is your portfolio doing? Are you prepared for continuing volatility? You've got questions. Call Invest Talk. 888 99Chart. Let's head up to Seattle. We're going to talk with Chris. He's looking at the Hartford Group, which is a company that recently. Got a bid from Chubb, uh, another insurance company, to purchase the company. Do you own Hartford, or are you looking to buy it? Yes, I owned it. I have a small position, 100 shares, and less than a year. And because of the Chubb possible buyout, I'm wondering whether what's what I should kind of do, maybe sell a little or keep it, maybe for possible other buyout possibility. Is this in a taxable account? Yes. And how, you said less than a year. Are you getting close to that year? No, I have about six months. Six months. Okay. It'll probably still take uh, six months or so for this to close. And right now, so, so the story is, or the bid, is that Chubb wants to pay $65 per share for Hartford Financial. About 55% of that will be in cash. The rest will be in stock, so you'd receive a little bit of both. But the chart, or the price, excuse me, is now trading at $67.29. And what the market is telling you is that this bid is going to go higher. And frankly, based on the fundamentals, it would not shock me at all. It's still relatively cheap, good company, good business. And the board for Hartford has not voted on this. So I'm expecting the bid to go up from 65, probably closer to 70, maybe even higher. So there is some upside left, I believe, in this name, but not a whole lot. While you wait, you're going to collect the dividend. The biggest risk here is that the bid falls through, but I, I really don't think that's the case. Chubb is historically a, a well-run company. They're not just throwing out bids without doing a lot of research. And uh, 
going into this eyes wide open. And frankly, there's probably a lot of other financial companies with balance sheet room to swallow up something like Hartford, which is at current prices about $24 billion market cap. And it would not shock me to have a bidding war between another insurance company. And so it just depends on what you want to do with the money. Do you have better uses for the money? Do you need that money? Then I'd sell it because there's probably not a whole lot of upside, but there's also not a whole lot of downside either. But if you don't really have any use for the money, if you're just going to sit in cash, I'd probably hold it. Try to get to that one-year mark. And in the meantime, you're going to still get that $0.35 cents per quarter dividend. So that's the way I would think about it. It just depends on the opportunity cost of that money and whether you have better uses for it before you get to that one-year mark. Make sense, Chris? So you think um, uh, most likely it's going to take uh, probably six months maybe to finally, to finally close if, if there is going to go. Yeah, I, I think there will be a deal. It's a matter of what price and whether it is Chubb or another company coming in and trying to swoop in and pay an even higher price than maybe $70 a share. And I think there's room for that with the, the right competitor. And the fact that the board hasn't voted on this yet, this is a recent bid. It only happened on Thursday of last week. So it's going to be a, at least, I think, six months for this deal to finally close where you get the 55% in cash and then the rest in the acquirer stock. In this case, it would be Chubb. So obviously that deal can change as well as the price goes up. Maybe that's less cash, more stock. We'll see. Thanks for the call, Chris. Let's keep the pace moving and go straight back to the Invest Talk Voice Bank for a call that came in earlier from New York. Hey guys, Duncan here from New York. Again, you guys are freaking amazing. Really love the stuff. My number one question for today is I am thinking about, you know, saving some cash and putting some money into an investment and into a Roth IRA. I know that a Roth IRA you can only put up to six thousand dollars, but is it bad to have both of them, or should I go the route of just filling up all my Roth IRA contributions and then start putting into my regular investment account? Just want a little bit of feedback on just having either both of them, getting money into them, or just one of them. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Yeah, I would try to max out that Roth IRA if you can based on your income levels. And certainly that's a CPA question because I don't know what your your tax rate is and how much your income is. But uh, I would max that out. And the good thing about a Roth IRA is you can take the contributions out penalty-free whenever you want. So it's not like that money is locked up. Remember, that's already post-tax money. And so if you ever did need it, you can take it out penalty-free just like you can with a brokerage account. So yes, save in that Roth and then the rest going into a regular brokerage account. Now we got an email from Jamie, a listener in Canada. And it looks like they want to talk about Enbridge. So let's take a look at ENB. Now ENB is in the oil and gas pipeline industry. It's a Canadian company engaged in distribution of gas to 3.8 million customers in Ontario, Quebec, New Brunswick. A decent company from an operations standpoint. Let me look at the valuation here. Just pulling all this data up. Yeah, 
And it does have some pipeline, the oil sand. So it's certainly going to have wide fluctuations with the price of, of oil. Uh, I'm not sure how the cancellation of the Keystone XL pipeline, how much that's going to affect their business. That's something to think about as well. They are, they do generate about 2,000 megawatts of renewable and alternative energy along with that natural gas and oil sands pipeline. Chart looks relatively solid. Still looks pretty undervalued. I'm going to say, yeah, I, I, I like it. It's probably not my favorite in the space. Certainly high risk with the level of debt that they have. But that's not uncommon for a large oil name like this. $74 billion market cap, $52 billion in debt. So I like it. Not my favorite in the space, but I kind of like it. All right, now we're going to pivot to the voice bank for a call that came in earlier at 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve or Justin. My name is Marcy from Idaho, and I had a question about a stock, CVVUS. It's Can Alaska Uranium. I have a uranium stock already, and I thought I'd add another one, and I wanted to know your opinion. Also, would also like to know what your opinion is of stock screeners. I'm new to trading, new to all of this, and I'm learning a lot listening to you guys, but wanted to see what you thought about that as a way to get through the red tape of all the information that's out there. Thank you. Be looking forward to your answer. Bye. Sure. Both great questions. First off, I like uranium a lot. I think that is an under appreciated part of the green energy trade. We're not going to get to 100% green energy production anytime soon. And for base load demand, there's not much better that beats than, than uh, uh, uranium and, and, and nuclear power. So I think it's going to be in higher, higher demand. And we've been in oversupply in the uranium space for some time, and we're just coming out of that. And it's certainly a, a scattered supply environment. But this is a name. This is Can Alaska Uranium CVVUF. It's an over-the-counter stock. So very, very small name, $33 million market cap. And they don't really have much revenue. It looks like it's maybe uh, something that is exploratory. They do have mines that mine uranium, nickel, and diamond. So I like what you're looking at. Chart-wise, it looks strong, like the, the overall space. But this is certainly going to be high risk. You're talking about a penny stock, but I like the area that it's in. So you have to understand uh, that level of risk. Now, when it comes to stock screeners, yeah, you, I, I think you need a stock screener. It's very difficult to find good values and stocks that are trending without a good stock screener. I always recommend Finviz, F-I-N-V-I-Z.com. It's a great starter screening tool. Uh, it's certainly not perfect. None of them really are, but for free, uh, it's pretty good. And then you can get into more advanced subscription models. There's YCharts. There's Morningstar. There's Marketsmith. There's a lot of great tools out there for stock screening the better ones you're going to have to subscribe to, and I would recommend that as well. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. I encourage you to explore our finance and investment information we have posted on our website, investtalk.com. You can learn about our various investment strategy opportunities we offer 
through KPP Financial. For example, our equity income plus strategy, it's dividend investing with a boost, all dividend paying stocks. And we developed this strategy and only holds those dividend paying stocks and adds an extra boost of income by writing cover calls on those positions. So if you're serious about achieving financial freedom, you'll want to reach out to myself or Steve Peasley at our KPP financial offices in Irvine, California at 800-557-5461. You can learn more right now at investtalk.com. But now we're taking your questions live at 888-99-CHART. InvestTalk listeners are invited to join Justin Klein as he participates in Finance Podcast Week, March 26th through March 28th. You can hear a variety of live stream panels and exclusive episodes. Panel discussions include topics such as real estate, the markets, cryptocurrency, personal finance in the pandemic, the money mindset, and more. And InvestTalk listeners will appreciate a special panel where Justin will be speaking on the topic, Investing with the Pros. Justin's special live stream panel will be presented on Saturday, March 27th at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So head over to podbean.com slash podcast week slash finance to register. We've allocated free passes for the first 100 people to register. Use the code investtalk for a free pass. So head over to podbean.com slash podcast week slash finance. Hurry, registration ends March 26th. Good morning, guys. My name is Blake, and I'm from Huntington Beach, and I'm relatively new to the world of investing. Anyways, my question is, what are your thoughts on the pretty basic dividend-paying stocks like AT&T and Coca-Cola, McDonald's, etc.? Is there too much hype around these kind of investments? Or are they generally somewhat a decent way to start getting into dividend investing? I'll be listening, and have a wonderful day, guys. Thank you. Bye. The simple answer is yes, absolutely. This is Those are type of names. Those are your big blue chip dividend payers that have consistent businesses, cash flows, earnings. And the bigger question is what's the long-term prospects for their business? Certainly the Procter & Gamble's of the world are going to be relatively slow growers. It's a $320 billion market cap company. They do $20 billion a quarter in sales. And so typically, they're low-growth businesses. They grow along with the overall economy, typically, maybe a little faster, depending on their innovation of their products, et cetera. And if you're a new investor, I think those are great type of companies. I'm not going to recommend one or the other, but those are great type of companies, I think, to start with. And I don't think they're hyped at all, uh, but it helps you understand how the dividend process works. They're easy, easier companies to start the analysis of because you probably use their products or know about their products and understand their product lines and what could potentially disrupt their steady businesses, what innovators are, there, are out there, what competitors are out there, etc. So I love that new investors are thinking about dividend investing especially over the high-flying tech stocks, which are the sexier names. Uh, but dividends, for a lot of people, they're not very sexy. And for me, I like them, and I think it's a great way to get started. Now, let's see if I can squeeze in one more question here. At- hey, 
Hey, good afternoon. This is Cassidy from Richmond. Just giving you guys a shout. Sorry to bother you at work. Taking a look at APHA and SNDL in the cannabis sector. Uh, just wanted to know your thoughts. New to investing. Appreciate any help. Thanks. Bye. All right, looking at Afria and SNDL, which is Sundial Growers. These are both Canadian names. And I've said this in the recent past that I'm less of a fan of the Canadian names than I am the domestic cannabis companies, the multi-state operators. Uh, There's just less of a premium. Most of these Canadian names are already traded on the exchange. And I think once we get to the legalization status, a lot of the cannabis names that are on the OTC market are going to go on to NYSE, NASDAQ, etc. And there's going to be that premium bump there. So technically, the whole space is starting to see some weakness here. If you just look at MJ, the ETF or MSOS, they've come down from their, their recent highs. And I would be starting to get selective on those names. The, the Sundials, the Afrias, the Canadian names, I'm not nearly as, as bullish on over the, the medium term. And this is a space where there's a lot of shadiness in that industry. There's a lot of management teams that are playing the, the hype, playing the, the dream and the story, and not executing nearly as well as a professional company should. And so you really have to do your due diligence on the management team, on the products and and the services, and make sure that there's sustainability there and good management. Thanks for the call. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here, help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break. So if you're going to call, you want to do it right now, get your questions in now at 888-99-CHART. Listening to Invest Talk. Every Friday on the program and the podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPP Premium Newsletter. Listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions. 888 99 Chart. Hey guys, my name is Jake. I'm in Los Angeles. Theo Epstein just launched a sports centric SPAC. I know what your thoughts are on SPACs in general. This is an interesting concept. It's called Arctos Sports Partners, and they intend to buy minority stakes in professional sports franchises. Now, I was wondering how you think that model works in the kind of private equity model, because there's such little cash flow in most sports teams, and they just kind of rise in valuation over time. I'm wondering how you think that would work, especially for a retail investor. Thanks. Bye. Interesting strategy. This is an area of the market where it's very hard to give it a blanket. Thumbs up, thumbs down. The devil's really in the details here of what the structure ultimately looks like, how much warrant dilution there is. Typically, that's what happens is uh, the, uh, 
initial investors are get get uh, warrants or the uh, promoters are getting warrants over a certain price and that dilutes shareholders. Uh, so they're very complex structures and you don't really understand or un can unpack them for a long time. Not a long time, but at least a few quarters until the company starts reporting earnings, etc. Now, is that a good strategy to buy in a sports team? Sports team prices are, are very, very high. They tend to be very cyclical. And how much are they paying for? Are they focusing on Major League Baseball teams, NFL teams, NBA teams, or are they Premier League teams, for example? Each one has different longer-term, I think, growth and earnings projections. So it's hard to really give, for me to give you a thumbs up or a thumbs down. I don't know their strategy. I don't know their structure. And so I can't really give you an answer. I wish I could. Now we're down to the wire. Just the time, just enough time for one more question at 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve and Dustin, really appreciate the show. Just wanted to know what your thoughts on ticker symbol ABT, Abbott Industries. Please let me know your thoughts. Thanks. I like Abbott. Abbott's a very good company. I like the fact that they typically are on the side of the medical devices as opposed to the drugs, even though they do have some branded generic drugs, but it's not their main source. They typically produce pacemakers, defibrillators, neuromodulators, uh, artery stents, catheters, etc. And about 60% of its sales are outside the U.S. So I like that there's more broad diversification when it comes to their revenue streams. And the market cap right now, uh, let me take a look at this, 215 billion, it's very large, but it's also trading, I think, a bit of a premium here. Our value was closer to $100 a share, now it's at $121 a share. So it's about 20% overvalued in my book. But once again, company that should be on everyone's radar. At a certain point, certain valuation, this is the company you buy on major dips because of their consistency of their, their cash flows, their profitability, and I think long-term you'll do fine. But it's a bit overvalued right now, so I would take a pass on it. But keep on your watch list. Well, I think that does it for this show. I appreciate you all tuning in. Just a reminder that I am hosting a... I am the lead moderator for the Podbean Finance Podcast Week on Saturday morning. I believe it's at 1 p.m. Pacific time. It's a live broadcast. I'll be on with Peter Schiff and someone else. I forget the name off the top of my head. But uh, we're going to be uh, we're going to be discussing the difference between value investing and indexing. So that'll be interesting. Now I'm Justin Klein. That completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. And we encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads, which they can find over at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And as always, investtalk.com. We encourage you to rate and review. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, 
It's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listening line at 888-99-CHART. 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 